22. If you want to start at the beginning and watch the first 21 first. I a little bit wonky. A little bit. A little bit. How wonky is it? Is it wonky? Too wonky? No. No, it's, it's not bad. Not bad. Um, yeah. I'm doing better now. I, uh, just in case you were curious, uh, there's been this, like, okay, just for context for people who have no, no background behind any of it, um, uh, 130 years ago, there was this cult, and, uh, and they taught people how to do this, and then, um, Wicca came out of that, and so they do that, obviously, in circles and stuff. And then, um, so the thing lasted like, I think less than 20 years, but then in the eighties and nineties, a few reenactment cults started to pop up. And then there was, I guess, supposedly there's like, uh, one continuous thread of, uh, you know, the connection, the Wari Raw connection, the Pat Zalewski and, uh, Falcon thing. Um, but yeah, long story short is traditional golden dawn practitioners do not do this in front of people. And, um, and so there was the head of one particular order who was posting online, basically trying to use like coercion, popularity and humiliating, like ridiculing, uh, you know, uh, on an ego level to try to get people to not do this on YouTube. Right. But the reality is that, you know, it's all because it's supposed to be secret. It's analyzing that and saying, well, no, it's not just secret. It's because it's sacred and doing it on YouTube because YouTube is profane. And then there's a good friend of mine who was like, someone was teaching how to do it in a park. And he's like, he's breaking his oath if he ever even took one. And I'm like, wow, these guys don't even realize how culty they sound, you know? And I mean... I love some of them to certain degrees. Anyway, but the point is, the point is, I was the first person to do it on YouTube back in 2008 or 2009. As far as I know, I directed uh, a video called The Golden Dawn, where my friend Beep, with the long hair. Uh, I see, when I was young, I was like the, oh, the young blonde male who's thin-ish, and, you know, like, and then I got a little older and just kind of gradually started to, like, become 30-something and, like, get a little bit of a belly going on. And then this guy came in, and he was the new guy. So, like, part of me on that sort of mammalian level was, like, girls are looking at him instead of me, you know. like, But, uh, you know, that's life. Uh, but anyway, so so he was the star of that video, and he did the LBRP in the, the big temple with the tile and everything. And... Uh, and then I had him transform into and then I had him go change into his Hegman garb and stand between the pillars so it looks like he transformed at the end. Anybody remember that? Unfortunately, I have no copy of it. If anybody like downloaded the file, I, no one's ever going to see this who downloaded the file. But anyway, the point is, after that, um, then another seven years went by and I went through a lot of processes. At one point, I tore down the curtains inside my temple, and uh, so pe the neighbors could see what I was doing in there, doing, oh, 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 you know. 
And uh, rather than being like, you know, oh, I'm a closet weirdo, you know, don't don't worry about the noises I make behind the obviously black curtained windows, you know. So I just tore it down. Oh, now you can see me. Now you can see what I've been doing. It's a little odd, right? Yeah, so is everything else. Everything's a little odd. What you do is odd. You just think it's not because it's more mainstream odd, you know, whatever, whatever it is, it's odd, you know, dressing up and doing weird things. Everybody dresses up. Everybody does weird things. If you were looking from an alien's point of view, there'd be no, what, what you do in your cubicle is no less weird than what I'm doing in my temple, right? So then, I don't know, it was like this flow reversal feeling where instead of hiding, I was like doing it in the open. And since I had been made a chief, I was giving myself permission. So I wasn't technically breaking any hose. And uh, then one day I decided to live stream it. And I just put my phone up in the corner in the Victorian picture rail and just fucking did it in front of everybody, you know, on uh, Facebook. And uh, yeah, it caused quite a stir among a few people. And uh, people were contacting me and it was nice, you know, to kind of be in touch with people and be doing the rituals openly and kind of showing at least how I do them. And I did that for about two years, pretty often. And uh, 2016, 2017, then I gave Robbie all my Golden Dawn stuff and I gave the rest of it to Kay in South Africa and I just closed that chapter of my life, came to Nepal, went to Lumini, came to India, got married, settled down, years went by and then one day I I was like, you know, I'm going to take those old live stream videos and put them up on YouTube. And then I did. And then one of them that I uploaded like a month ago has a thousand views and like people commenting. And people are saying, oh, these are great. Thank you so much for sharing them. And then other people are saying, you really think this does anything? This is all just a bunch of bullshit. And it's like, yeah, that's to be expected. But the ones that, the ones that were rub rubbing me the wrong way were, were saying, why do you feel it's appropriate to share this publicly? And it's like, okay, between hearing people on Facebook, my friend John, and uh, and the, the head of this order in Canada, and all this stuff, I can tell there's this movement within orders to like make things more secret and to like make the culty more cult, make the cult more culty, you know. And uh, so yeah, don't do your pentagram rituals on YouTube was the latest thing, and I unfollowed her. She's an old friend. I mean, kind of. I interviewed her once on Esoterinary. And um, sort of, uh, it was her and her ex. But anyway, um, so yeah, I took that kind of personally and it kind of brought me down for a couple of days, you know, like being kind of the main, I mean, in my mind, you know, other people are doing it, but I was, again, the first person to do it and definitely was doing it very openly. And uh, to have, don't do these specific rituals on YouTube. When I have a whole channel with like, 45 different uh, times that I did the full set of rituals on YouTube. Um, yeah, I felt kind of targeted. It kind of brought me down. I'm like, you know, I talked to Pew about it, and it's like, yeah, this is an old chapter of my life, these rituals I did six years ago. And uh, it's just, I don't know. And I, I mean, I disagree with the premise behind telling people not to do them on YouTube. Philosophically, ideologically, I disagree with the premise of the cultiness of the age of Pisces. And uh, I'm definitely on board with opening up, opening things up. And I'm not the only one, by the way, the Dalai Lama wants to open up a lot of the secret Vajrayana stuff, right? Um, Ian Baker talks a lot about that. And, uh, you know, there's people that want to keep it closed, keep, you know, keep things closed, on, uh, whether it be Eastern or Western. And, I think they're 
wrong. You know, I mean, they can do their thing. You know, I mean, uh, Amish are free to be Amish. Terabodans are free to, you know, pretend uh, the Mahayana scriptures don't exist. You know, I mean, like, people are free to create societies like Civil War reenactment or whatever and, 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 and live in, you know, Renaissance Fair, whatever, like live in a, in a time period where things make sense within that cult, within that uh, community. But when they're, like, using using like Edward Bernaysian uh, propaganda techniques, knowingly or unknowingly, to try to enforce the rules of their group on the people outside the group and shame the people who don't live according to the group. That's when I have a problem with it. But I don't have enough of a problem with it to like actually reply or actually like write a post about it where people will see it. So I'm talking to you about it instead. And uh, so that was, that's what was bugging me. You, you might have noticed I was a little bit low energy in the previous one. And then at the end, I was like making reference to all that stuff. Now you know the behind the scenes stuff. Because what happened after that was when I was putting the thumbnail together, just for shits and giggles, I, I searched for Carl Jung cult. And I found, yeah, there's a book. And I'm sure, you know, I mean, yeah, I can see the perspective. And I have a bit of a looser definition of cult. I mean... It's not not bad, it's, uh, but it can be less bad than Charles Manson, for example, Father Yoda and the Source family. Less bad, definitely, maybe even almost good. I mean, I, I went on record on uh, episode seven of Esoteric Nerd talking about it. He knocked it out of the park. Better than Lord Buddha, better than Moses, you know, like... I mean, I was like being maybe a little bit hyperbolic and kind of like a little bit in character, but but still, you know, um, a cult is a group of people who have a shared belief system. Usually they have a charismatic leader. That's a cult. Uh, you know, there are ones that where everybody kills themselves. There's ones where they kill other people. There's ones where they... Uh, isolate themselves and cut off their families to varying degrees and so there's degrees of unhealthiness of cults and uh, you know I identify the Golden Dawn Order that I was in as one of the cultier ones I don't know if it's the cultiest because I'm not really familiar with all of the others so but definitely on the cultier end of the spectrum especially for those of us who lived closer to the temple. You know, people who lived farther away could imagine they were part of a very sophisticated Masonic style, uh, you know, secret society or whatever, but the people who lived, you know, close to the temple knew what it was like in the core. And uh, people like me who made the silly decision to put all their energy into that instead of anything else. I mean, I kind of, looking back, when I was a teenager, I was like, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it all, you know, like, I, uh, I don't want to be driven by career, I don't want to be driven by money, I don't want to be driven by trying to live up to the standards, the, the agreed upon societal standards of everyone around me, and so I found a way to have a community, albeit a smaller one, uh, that agreed with what I was doing <clears throat> and 
the weirdoness that was instilled upon me by my parents when I was very young uh, made me shine rather than made me someone that you should smile and back slowly toward the door, right? Which was normal society's attitude toward someone like me uh, when I was a teenager. So it just sort of ended up that way. Um, and, you know, luckily it's not that urgent that I, uh, I was able to make all those mistakes and still come out pretty much okay as a 45-year-old um, rather than being in the gutter or, or uh, something like that. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to... Yeah, yeah, so, so, so anyway, yeah, there's a book in 1990s uh, that was published called The Cult of Jung or Carl Jung Cult or something like that where it uh, examined the life and legacy of uh, Carl Jung from a, like, the most critical perspective and shining a light on it that uh, emphasized the the cultiness of it, which is, yeah, it's there. I've seen it. You've seen it. It's obvious, right? Um, and uh, I didn't know that book existed. I'm not interested in reading it, but I took the cover of it and put that on the uh, right side of the thumbnail. And it kind of almost implies that um, that whatever I was saying at the end of that episode had anything to do with Carl Jung, and I just kind of wanted to go on record here in the follow-up episode to say it didn't had nothing to do with Carl Jung. It was just sort of a happy coincidence that uh, I found that image from that book. <sighs> I'm not going to go all the way to say cults are bad and gay, but they usually are. Um, they're to be approached with caution or not at all. And uh, I don't know. You know, some people really enjoy them. But they're annoying from the outside when they try to, like, enforce their way of thinking or way of behaving, way of doing things on those who are not interested in, uh, in being in it. They're, they're annoying to people who have never had anything to do with it, but they're even more annoying to people who have and then left. Um, see, for example, uh, genetically modified skeptic, who was, in, um, I believe, like evangelical type hardcore Christian as a teenager, and now he's made his career off of being an atheist and um, debunking and, and criticizing and talking all kinds of crap about uh, religion. And um, he wouldn't have that motivation if he had been raised by atheists, you know what I mean? Um, so. Anyway, just uh, just random thoughts. I'll read a little bit at least today in this one. Uh, yeah, turned into an egg. That's where we left off. He described his own experiments in detail to his patients and told them to do as he had done. His role was one of supervising them and experimenting with their own stream of images. Jung went so far as to suggest that some of his patients prepare his or her own Liber Novus. Hmm. Morgan noted him saying, that's interesting, that's interesting. I should advise you to put it all down as beautifully as you can in some beautifully bound book. It will seem as if you were making the visions banal, 
But then you need to do that. Then you are free from the power of them. I mean, I feel like I've done that, except instead of making a book, I made like a website with all kinds of different facets and podcasts. And even this, even this, then this has no power over me anymore. You know, it's interesting. Wow. Like fractal loops within loops. One time, um, I had a little uh, model of, it looked like my house, similar-ish. It wasn't exactly like my house, but I had it on the altar in the temple that was in the house. And let me tell you, that's pretty trippy when you're on acid. Um, okay, where were we? His role was one of supervised, like Beetlejuice a little bit. Never mind. The opening scene, the spider and all that. His role, okay, where were we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we, uh, I should advise you to put it all, to bear their own, okay, banal. But you, then you need to do that, then you're free from the power of them. If you do that with these eyes, for instance, they will cease to draw you. You should never try to make the visions come again. Think of it in your imagination and try to paint it. Then when these things are in some precious book, you can go to the book and turn over the pages, and for you it will be your church, your cathedral, the silent places of your spirit where you will find renewal. If anyone tells you that it is morbid or neurotic, and you listen to them, then you will lose your soul, for in that book is your soul. That's very interesting. I find myself at times, um, I'll just, I'll just point to it. Uh, it says Gwydion reacts to Govel Bordello, but what it really is, is the ritual to go back in time in a sense, because there was a specific moment, a specific energy, a specific vibe that I had, uh, a couple months after I left California and there was one aspect of it that I just wanted to kind of recapture and through music and through description and you know instead of painting it and putting it with calligraphy in a book I made that video uh, and you know if anybody actually watches it then they'll see what it is maybe they won't understand it maybe they will maybe they'll enjoy it maybe they won't but the point is it's a very accurate specific snapshot illustration of of a moment in my personal journey that was six years ago. But I recorded it like within the past few weeks. Uh, yeah, more. I mean, in my view, more so than a painting. Because a lot of these paintings, I've looked at some of these paintings, I'm like, huh? Uh, I mean, I've always been kind of coming from a Golden Dawn perspective uh, in my analyzing symbols. And so, like, to see someone like, well, this is how I look at my own inner mythology. I'm kind of like, oh, how nice for you, you know, but like um, trying to analyze it in terms of symbols that I'm already familiar with. Um, I mean, in the past, when I've looked at it, that was kind of what I ran into. It was sort of like a roadblock. Like, I was like, I get nothing from this. What are you talking about? It's like, well, in a dream, he's... And, and I mean... It's very interesting how it kind of goes in and out of like it's personal but it's universal. It's uh, 
is both at the same time. It's a mixture. And yeah, it is kind of a mixture, isn't it? You know, like uh, we don't all just have like, oh, well, I've got these beings just, they're just for me. They're just in my head. I mean, they, maybe they are, but they tend to look like or take the form of things that are like, there's a statue of it in Times Square, you know, I'm not Times Square, but in the main village square, um, like Ganesh or Thoth or Buddha or Jesus or something like that will be the, the person talking to you, you know, and it's real. Maybe it's all in your head, but it's real to you. And so, hence, if you were to make a painting or a mandala of it, it'd be like, well, this is the point where Jesus enters into Jerusalem on the donkey. And it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's like, and then my mother-in-law comes in and tells me to brush my teeth or something. And you're like, oh, that didn't happen when Jesus came in on the ass in, in Jerusalem. But it's, for that person in that moment, it did. And uh, that's what he's talking about. And I kind of get it now. And I've kind of been doing that for years, actually. So I, I like it. I like it. Um, other people make YouTube videos for uh, the person watching it or for, um, you know, advertising revenue or for, uh, you know, to fit the formula of, okay, today we're going to do a reaction. And if you want, you can see the full reaction on my Patreon. But you have to put, because of copyright, you got to put your phone next to another phone and play the movie on one phone. And you can see my face reacting and going, uh, uh, performatively going, exaggerating my reaction. And go, oh, is that the man who, oh, I think they're going to hook up. Oh, I knew they were going to hook up. And then... Uh, yeah, on my Patreon at the second tier, you can do that. Otherwise, you watch this edited version where and it's a little blurry, and sometimes I cut out the audio because of copyright laws. And you do that. So that's like normal, accepted uh, YouTube. Whereas what I'm doing is a little different. That's all I'm saying. My what I'm doing is more like his description of making your own Liber Novus new book. Ah, it's a new book. See what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know, yes! Have you seen that? Weird Al and Eminem? It's funny. Okay. Um, I like it. In a letter to J.A. Gilbert in 1929, he commented on his procedure. I found them sometimes that is of great help in handling such a case. Oh, by the way, since I'm on the subject, you remember I talked about the, the younger, more attractive blonde guy that uh, replaced me as like the hottest guy in the second order of my uh, cult? Well, he, he, he knew me well enough to get me this for my birthday one year. And uh, because I told him about when, how when I was young my religion was Tron, and you've probably heard me talk about that as well. And if you can see here, I am he, the bornless spirit, having sight in the feet, strong and immortal fire. Because I had drawn a corollary between the bornless invocation in the second order 
and Tron communing with Alan, or Alan One as he called him. So he gave me this. I keep it on my desk. And, uh, you know, you've seen my office. I've got, like, a, a lot of Buddhist stuff and a little bit of Jesus stuff and Hindu stuff. But, yeah, in a very special place of, a place of uh, near my desk, near my computer, next to my computer, I, I keep this old blue external hard drive with uh, a little Van Gogh thing that this goes, it's like, goes on the back of the phone to, like, hold the phone, you know? And then uh, this this Tron thing. So this kind of like brings this whole talisman into um, see um, <clears throat> identity. The identity of this this uh, whole thing: external hard drive, Tron, boardless one, Sonnet one being my program and me being his user, just all that stuff. It's sweet, it's fun, and it's among the sacred things that I keep in the Liber Novus, which is my office. And one more card, Fama Fraternitatis. That's where I recite the entire Fama Fraternitatis, Rosicrucianus, or whatever the fuck. Um, and it's good. It's got Zelda music. I recommend it. I do. I really do. It's not as boring as it sounds. Um, and it tells a story, and part of that story is uh, the man known as uh, Christian Rosenkreutz having uh, mementos of his travels and, and like inventions and things and technology, you know, like uh, from the early 1500s or whatever, uh, arranged in a special room in a certain way so that it, like just going into that room, being in that room and going through all of the stuff, you can learn everything he did in his life and the room had seven sides and so on and so forth and it's the origin of the modern vault of the adepti in uh, golden dawn rituals uh, which also has its correlation in a vault similar vault in uh, the society rosicruciana in anglia and anyway um that's christian rosenkreutz's liber nobus and uh the red book is Carl Jung's uh, Vault of the Adepti, you know, in a way. I like it. I mean, I've always, like, once I, once, once the meaning of, once I put together, actually, after reciting the whole thing, after editing the whole thing, then watching, you know, smoking a little weed and watching and listening to myself recite Fama Fraternitatis with dramatic Zelda music. I realized that this office temple is my that, and it's different from uh, his, but, um, yeah, one day, I don't know, one day, we'll see if, if, if it pans out. One day I might build a vault of the Adepti, I mean, like a proper one with all the colors and everything. If I've got the, the space, the interest, there's one guy that I've been helping get through the grades, um, just on a one-on-one -on -one Sith kind of AA basis, you know, um, but traditional GD. And uh, one day, one day it might be nice to actually provide him with a physical 5-6 experience, and it would be nice to have a vault of the Adepti of my own. But until that day, I've got the Astral one. Um, if you've seen those ritual videos, whenever I do the, the Rose Cross ritual, and then 
I mutter something, I'm um, establishing, you know, I dedicate this Rosecrest ritual to the establishing of the Vault of the Adepti within this chamber is one of the things that I always say because then I do the Seven Diphirates ritual which requires a Vault of the Adepti. It's something you're supposed to do inside of a Vault of the Adepti but you don't have to chant if you're actually inside of Vault of the Adepti, but you do have to chant if you do the version of it that I adapted for um, those rituals. That part is unique in those rituals, but the rest of it is uh, traditional-ish. But to the untrained eye, it's just like, oh, this is all the same. It's the same every time. It's like, yeah. Showing you the ritual of the seven diphirates so that somebody can work it out one day. There's something in there that people haven't uh, discovered yet, but people just sort of, it's disguised as the same old, same old, with a little bit of what's he doing at the end. <laughs> All right. I don't know how long before I started rambling, I don't know how long before that I hit record. See, I'm seeing 30, 55, 56, 57, but I don't know, I don't know where, how long it'll be for you. But at any rate, I didn't do very much reading today. I did a little more talking because, because th that's what I did today. And um, maybe I'll finish this like paragraph. I found sometimes that it is of great help in handling such a case to encourage them to express their particular contents either in the form of writing it or drawing it and painting it, or drawing and painting. There are so many incomprehensible intuitions in such cases, fantasy fragments that rise from the unconscious for which there is almost no suitable language. I let my patients find their own symbolic expressions, their, quote, mythology, end quote. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So far, so good. That's the end of the section called uh, Transforming Psychotherapy. And it's just the last of these recitals for the next eight days at least. <laughs>